February 11th, 2009. The Late Show with David Letterman airs to millions across the nation with what was supposed to be another standard run-of-the-mill episode. Letterman's big interview for the show that night was Oscar award-winning actor Joaquin Phoenix to discuss his most recent film, Two Lovers, the last movie Phoenix starred in before announcing his retirement at the film's premiere. No one expected the chaos that would follow. As Letterman announces his name, out came a quite different Joaquin Phoenix than people had seen in the last few months. Stumbling out, sporting a disheveled bushy beard and Ray-Ban sunglasses, Phoenix looked completely unrecognizable. As Dave tried expressing shock towards Joaquin's change in appearance, his questions were met with awkward responses and nonsensical muttering from the bearded madman in his hot seat. Letterman, along with the audience and the millions watching at home, were lost for words. Upon initial airing, everyone from former co-stars, news outlets, close friends, and complete strangers all had a take on Phoenix's bizarre Letterman interview. However, few of those who spoke knew of Joaquin's intentions. Underneath the drugged-out appearance was a Kaufman-like, anti-comedy character Phoenix created with fellow actor and brother-in-law Casey Affleck for their new film they were making in secret. That film being 2010's I'm Still Here, a supposed mockumentary criticizing celebrity tabloid culture and reality TV. Playing an exaggerated, coke-fueled, egotistical version of himself, Phoenix tricked the masses almost too well, as I'm still here, fell through the cracks and into obscurity, only being brought up to discuss Casey Affleck's inappropriate conduct on set and that dreaded Letterman interview. We're entering a bizarre wild ride this week. It's I'm Still Here, coming up now on Bombed. This is an impromptu episode. <laughs> this is a little bit fun. Matt, welcome. Hey, everybody. Hello. Howdy ho. This is wonderful. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that this was an episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad I suggested it. Hell yeah. So a little bit of a little bit of backstory here. Uh, today we were supposed to be talking about um, Heaven's Gate, <laughs> which is that's going to be one for the future. That's going to be one for the record books, but. The other guest that we were supposed to record with, um, he couldn't make it, so we're going to reschedule that in the future. And this episode was planned out and put into fruition in less than twenty-four hours. Uh, seventeen hours. I want to (laughs) say seventeen hours exactly. This was this was a very fast turnaround. You were just like, "Uh, you know, I could still come over. We can still talk about something. I was like, "Uh, "Let me get home from work. Let's uh, pick a movie. Let's get this going. Let's go with it." And there were there were a few suggestions in there that I was like, "All right, uh, cool, neat, (laughs) Uh, Birds of Prey." 
I, did it bomb? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, it, it was a, a pretty big bomb. It, it it made like half its budget back, I think. Oh shit! Um, and uh, it, it came out a month before the pandemic, so I don't really think it was to blame for it. My my favorite, the uh, COVID nineteen disaster. I I love COVID nineteen. I was telling this during the um uh the son of the mask episode. COVID nineteen will keep my my podcast going well into the fucking nineties, <laughs> well into oh. the next decade. We're gonna be yeah. going very well. Thank God you were afraid that you were gonna run out of bombs eventually. Oh no, I already had like three hundred and seventy two that I still need to cover, and there's more to go. Wow. <laughs> it's a wonderful time. But you mentioned a bunch. You mentioned the stuff, which is definitely on the queue. That's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. Like to do that with you as well that's a family favorite i but, watch that like every six months but i really it boiled down to the stuff and this movie because both of them are on tubi so the <laughs> stuff so i was like i'm not paying i'm not paying for an episode this week what do we got going on on the free nets and this story is so fucking surreal it's very it's very rich and i i, I think i forgot how much content we were gonna have in this when i just like picked out a bunch of movies yeah and suggested it i was like oh yeah it's a it's kind of a train wreck Oh, it's and a, as as we're looking into it, we were just floored by how much it's an absolute. Of a this shit is, show it is this yeah, is yeah, it's a mess. This is insane. <laughs> this story is absolutely fucking insane. So we're talking about I'm still here, which is a mockumentary. We we can call it a mockumentary for now. I mean <laughs> yeah. it. They cut, they call it documentary or performance art or this or that or whatever. Yeah, this is definitely running into the Shia LaBeouf Performance <laughs> Art Institute of Technology. Like this is the film equivalent of when he was on the red carpet wearing the "I'm not an artist" bag over his face. That's actually my favorite period of his, besides him being an abusive piece of shit. Yeah, right. Right after he released a biopic about himself, <sighs> man, in which he was abusing his partner on set. That was. Uh... Peak asshole right there. Peak dog <laughs> shit. Oh, and, you know, I will speaking say him of which, we're going to be talking about Casey Affleck oh. in this episode. <laughs> it all ties together. It all ties I will it. say, though, my favorite Shia LaBeouf was his uh, beginning of Trump uh, administration, like, performance art outside where he, like, uh, had, like, a fist fight and, like, assaulted some guy. Oh, his... That, like, anti-Trump, like, he, stuff he was, like, projecting where on the he, wall. Where he... No, he had, like, a camera because, like, when Trump won, he did, like, this performance art thing of, like, oh, he will not ruin us. He will not tear us apart which oh he's like don't worry i got that covered (laughs) (laughs) well no it's because it's quite ironic because guess what trump did (laughs) well i mean well it's a lot of you know four years later similar thing to casey affleck also was very anti-trump very anti-trump and then seems like they have uh something in common as well it's something about like like rivers cuomo-esque white guys who just somehow just are like closeted misogynistic weirdos yes. but outwardly they have to like pretend they're not though you have to they have to like have put on a whole big uh, they have spiel. to hold put on a big spiel and shit although to be fair the i'm still uh what's it he won't break us wall or whatever he called it with the camera yeah that was some great highlights that i was checking in every single day no me too to that's what i'm saying that was like his best content what right groiper there. weirdo was gonna show up at the wall to talk about and like then Jewish gets arrested for like getting into a fight with one of the like trump supporters that showed up well, it was a neo-Nazi 4chaner guy who showed up. I assume up. it was a Trump supporter. Yeah, though. it was some incel guy shouting 1488 into the camera, and then he punched him in the face because, if you didn't know, Shia LaBeouf was Jewish. <laughs> oh, I was going to say he was just picturing him as one of his girlfriends, though. Oh, that's probably that's <laughs> a bad joke. Sorry. Right out the gate. <laughs> oh, you, you think that's bad. We're going to have way more where that comes from. But, I mean, I guess we could talk about, like, all right, I think before we talk about this, we might need to talk about a little bit about Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, I don't have, like, a biography about jo- Joaquin Phoenix. I do have 
highlights of his IMDb right next to me. <laughs> nice. Hi- fantastic. It was one of the few things I wrote before I got high last night and then scribbled the rest all. <laughs> I can't even read my own notes, but. At least your handwriting doesn't make you look like you're 12 years old, unlike <laughs> mine. <laughs> I have like oh. I have like school shooter handwriting. Yeah, no, it looks like you're in eighth grade and you're just angry. You're getting ready. I'm trying my best. It's like I'm writing with a pen and I keep making spelling mistakes and I just you're now you're judging my. I'm looking you're, at your. Body. You were the kid in the ninth grade Spanish class that I turned to and said hi, and he looked at me. He turned out he turned out to be the guy sending bomb threats at Old Bridge High School. Oh no, uh, class of 08 right there. Damn, um, he got expelled. <laughs> Fucking bummers. But, like, so Joaquin Phoenix, brother to uh, River Phoenix, notorious for passing away at the Viper Club in, like, the 90s. Also for Stand By Me and My Own Private Idaho and being, you know, the next greatest auteur artist of our time. (laughs) He is, I mean, a part of the Phoenix family, if people don't know. They were a member. Well, they, their whole were family. They, they were members of the Children of God. Children of God cult. Which, I was about to say the Source yeah, family, but no, no. It, I got my. But uh, got they my were confused. a part of the whole flirty fishing thing. That actually is what caused them to leave. I did a little research on that. Yeah. Um, if you don't know about flirty fishing, that's where the women in the group would lure men in and have sex with them to get their money and like get them involved into their cult. Yeah. Uh, essentially, uh, embolden their numbers there. Yeah, it's just it's it's a Ponzi scheme where you get laid. You you get laid, and so then it's good for the first minute. And then, yeah, and then your information's stolen. <laughs> you're stuck on a compound for the rest of your life. Your insurance fraud up the ass. You're just <laughs> you're just you're financially. Most of this ruined. is also taking place in like Indonesia or something like that. So you're definitely yeah. trapped out there. You get one good blowjob in twelve bad years. <laughs> That's what you get out of. <laughs> so they they ran away to uh, California, and you know yeah, the Phoenixes. Escape. The Phoenix. Phoenixes all ended up being kind of like Hollywood royalty. I, not like royalty, but like underclass. Are the underclass. other involved in Hollywood too? Because I know I wrote down their names, but I don't really know anything I don't about. entirely. I don't. I think like their dad was like a producer or something. I, I do have to say too, I love the family names as well. I, I, River, Rain, Liber, Liberty, Summer, and Joaquin originally went by Leaf as well before he went by Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> There's something about guys named Leaf that I don't Leaf. trust. <laughs> Leaf Cassidy, Leaf... I think his name's like Leaf Grant or like Leaf Erickson. Leif Erickson. Yeah. His actual name was Leaf Erickson. Or Leaf Erickson, I don't trust either. <laughs> I don't I don't trust yeah. I don't think he I think he's the Norse version of Christopher Columbus. I don't think he ever discovered America, let alone Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> let you alone, know what? You're probably right about that. Let alone Canada. Yeah, no, he sort of made a name for himself as sort of like when his his brother died, he kinda took that mantle with like I don't want to say like it's not like Leonardo DiCaprio, but like he was sort of the, he was more or less the front runner of like that auteur push the boundaries actor of like our generation. Oh, like the young actors. Yeah. Like now, what year did River pass? I actually didn't write that down. Or Ninety. That I I got my phone somewhere. There it is. Technology. Hell yeah. Ninety three. Never mind. I was See, totally I, early nineties. <laughs> okay. So what I was gonna say though was that uh, Joaquin's big breakthrough was to die for Nicole Kidman. Uh, which came in '95, so that was pre- you know two years after his brother's passing. Yeah. So that really was, I guess, him starting to take the mantle that his brother had about being this actor's actor. This actor's, yeah, yeah, basically. a young yeah. actor. And Five years later, he did Gladiator and started his relationship um, with. I'm trying to think of the name of the director. He did The Yards. He did uh, The Immigrant. He did all that stuff uh, at Astra. James Gray. I think. James Gray. I think uh, that is. Yeah. Uh, th- we're we're doing great right now. Right we're, off the bat, we're, yeah. we're heroes. We're doing we're doing fantastic. I I haven't seen Gladiator in a minute, so I don't even remember. James Gray is the director. They've done like five or six movies together. They've was that Ridley have... Scott? 
Well, for Gladiator? Gladiators, yes. Uh, yeah. The Yard, though, was the first movie he did with James Gray. They have a very long relationship together. Um, they did The Yards, We Own the Night, Two Lovers, The Immigrant, Ad Astra. Well, he didn't actually do Ad Astra. Never mind. Well, well, well I'm oh, a thousand oh, guys. okay. This guy. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, speaking of Two Lovers, uh, that's where this movie kind of starts. <laughs> Is with two lovers, really. <laughs> <laughs> two lo- two lovers is more or less the catalyst for what happened here. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I guess that's like where we plant the flag to start. But if we want to talk about his the rest yeah, of his career, but too. He, I mean his his big I think like his big big break that was Walk the Line was sort of like his coming out party. Yeah, or he, was he was nominated for Best him. Actor. I mean, yeah. before that, like I said, Gladiator was his big performance that everyone started knowing him by. Yeah, I know in my family that was one of those that was like the first DVD everyone owned. You know, we'd always see it on the entertainment system. True, he did signs. The village, he did his little Shyamalan. Shyamalan oh, the films. I forgot about his involvement in Signs. Oh my yeah. God, he has the my favorite scene where he's watching the like TV. The he's like oh, TV. My. He's like, Andale, oh. children, Andale. It's like you, they can't hear you, Joaquin. They can't. <laughs> Vamanos, children, Vamanos. I thought you were gonna say. It reminds me of uh, the. They're gonna eat him, and then they're gonna eat me too. He's like, oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> yeah, like that's his uh, big acting breakthrough. Right God, there. who knew water could kill aliens? But. Then walk the line, and then I think that's when he became sort of like the heavyweight. Yeah, he was nominated yeah. for best actor. He lost, I believe, to Capote actor. Um, oh, oh, Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. I that's, believe they. That's it. Was a tight year. That was actually a great year for best actor. Hell yeah, it was a great year for movies. Holy shit, Capote, damn. So yeah, but, uh, so walk the line. That's walk where we the line. <laughs> he then to backtrack. Sort of became this huge, huge star, and then. He watched reality TV one day, and out came this <laughs> fucking mess. <laughs> well, most people just like to complain about reality TV, like you and me. You know, like, yeah. they decided to go out and make fun of it by recreating it, which is some of my least favorite type of content. Where, like, you know, you think something's so bad, why don't we make fun of it by also partaking in it? Partaking in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's it's really artful and really really poignant. I think if the, they have something to criticize, yeah, them. if I they have like, something to call out, like I know. Um, uh, Dead Set. You ever see Dead Set? No. I, it's I don't uh, Charlie Brooker's project before Black Mirror. Where oh. It was, it's not like a reality show, but it was a takeoff where they were making fun of basically like Big Brother type shit. Oh. And they were like, all these people are stuck in the Big Brother house, and then a zombie apocalypse happens, okay. and they see, don't an know that a zombie apocalypse on is going on. And it's really interesting. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. I think it was on Netflix for a minute. It's still... It should still be on there, but but like what they were doing was more or less like calling out celebrity gossip culture, and and it's okay to be critical of it, but I feel like they didn't really have a lot to say that was maybe original or unique. I think the well, I think the idea of it was just like, hey, how about what if what if Joaquin Phoenix lost his mind for a year and a half, and we just told everyone that it was a thing and then we released this movie yeah. and then people maybe go, it was wow maybe it'd be fun like if you, we did something like that like if you decided to become like a mormon for like a month and like we told <laughs> all your friends like hey like liam's a mormon now uh a friend of mine actually uh she mentioned a while back like <laughs> this would be funny just to be like there was this one guy that just one year at her school went from like being just like a normal art guy to just being a neo-nazi like skinhead, red tape, everything, and then went and then, back the following and then year. went back to normal, okay. and it's well, like he was just <laughs> dipping his toes in the water. He was like, "Okay, I didn't get me any pussy. Let's just go back." Yeah, but work. it's it's like imagine that, like just be like, "Hey, so whatever happened to that like that neo Nazi phase you had? Like, you're not gonna address it." It's like this was this for Joaquin Phoenix, where he, 
I think the big thing out of this movie was the Letterman interview. That's the thing everybody knows about it is him going on Letterman looking like he hasn't left his house in nine yeah. years. He kind of started looking like the Unabomber, right? Like he, he was he was looking like he was looking like Saddam Hussein after they <laughs> kidnapped him and brought him they brought him to charges. Like that's that's. I will say though, I think I believe that was at the beginning of his 18 month sojourn. Like this entire journey we have here in front of us oh this is uh this so is a that was just ride. the beginning of his uh wild man wild man insanity run i would say him. inarticulate i'm gonna be a rapper i <laughs> but i don't know how to rap i wanna, in a way that is pretty funny though i want to be a rapper and then he writes rhymes that don't even rhyme he writes he, lines he writes like full-on sentences i was gonna say like he, one thing rhymes like every three sentences or something like that like cat <laughs> hat sat but it's it's always like I met this cat. My friend is a beanbag chair made out of wrapping paper. I don't care what he got on his hat. That's the rhyme. And it's exactly. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what and there was one where I think he, he rhymed something like luck and fuck too. That was pretty hilarious. But like that lasts for like ten seconds where he's like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm getting this game. I got lots of luck, you know, and fuck all the haters. And it didn't even like rhyme right on the spot either. Not even close. And the other guy in the studio is kind of like looking there, like. Doing this. <laughs> the, the the other the other guy being uh was it is that Norm or are you talking about uh what he runs into Pete Diddy? No, it was it was Norm before he ran. It was Norm. Diddy, yeah. All right. He kind of like he he kind of like stepped in the room and he turned back out. He's like, okay, we're still doing this. Okay, we're still doing this. All right, whatever you say, champ. So I guess the idea, the concept was uh, him and uh, director, writer, slash brother-in-law, I slash they're... brother-in-law, slash sexual predator, <laughs> slash second-hand Affleck sibling, Casey Affleck, uh, <laughs> decided to do this performance art gag where we're just going to have Joaquin Phoenix go insane for a year. He's going to come out and say, I'm going to retire from acting. I'm going to become a rapper. And then we're just going to see where the headlines go from here. And a lot of this comes off like I think understanding that this is a mockumentary makes a lot of the stuff that I saw feel very like I'm very comforted by it's like, oh, this is just a joke because there are scenes in this movie that are dark-sided as fuck. <laughs> and I think that's the thing, like, the fact that they kept so many people in the dark. It, it also, I don't know how many people, even in his own circles, knew about it. It kind of comes up a few times in the movie when people may have leaked out whether or not it was a mockumentary, but people around him sometimes still look very, very surprised about what's going on. So yeah, you don't like know how ben close Stiller? he played it. Like Ben, ben Stiller, Stiller especially. Yeah. <laughs> ben Stiller. That, 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 when he met him and they were having that conversation, Ben Stiller looks so shocked. <laughs> he like, looks so... Or most deaf. Most deaf, too. Most deaf. Oh, that scene's hilarious, where he's just in New York, runs into most deaf, and most deaf's like, yeah, so you're getting in the, into hip-hop. Uh, what's your style like? And, and Joaquin's like, yeah, you know, I just want to do, like, hip-hop Bohemian Rhapsody, you know? That's what I want. And most deaf... Has that shocked face where he's trying to register the yeah, he's, words he's not that quite Joaquin processing just... everything? But he also seemed like he was like, "Oh, cool, cool, man, good, good for you, man." Yeah, good, good on you, dude. Like, I mean, it's not gonna go anywhere, but you're doing, you're doing all right, man. I appreciate. It. So, is this true? You, you, you're done. You're just you're going straight for the music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I really want it to be like a hip hop Bohemian Rhapsody kind of thing. You know, I want it to be epic. Epic is good. Epic is, is good. Epic is uh, epic is epic. I do want to 
call out, like, we were talking about how Joaquin Phoenix, you know, was essentially at a high point of his career artistically by the point that he decided to make this turn. Casey Affleck was actually about at the same because he had just done uh, Gone Baby. Gone, Gone Baby Gone, Gone and The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I think might be, like, the high point of his career by that point. Oh, definitely. Um, and decided to make a left turn to direct a mockumentary with his brother-in-law that essentially polarized a lot of people and may have temporarily halted their careers oh both of them yeah both of them i will like, say though phoenix kind of came back strong after that like his next couple of years have some of the best performances of his entire career yeah with uh, the master the immigrant her and the... oh he definitely i think this definitely What's... pushed him into wow. i guess it felt like a rock bottom but i definitely think that after this it sort of was so able you may to, like transition him into like you sorry. may say like a phoenix though he rose from his own ashes son right? of a bitch <laughs> you son of a bitch I didn't even have that one loaded it just came up no I I couldn't even read my own handwriting that's the problem I have here uh, no that's fair inherent vice that's inherent vice that's a that's, that's a film the... I got to cover there's a lot of movies that are mentioned in this film alone yeah. that I was have that, to that cover that was a bomb as well what uh, inherent vice yeah. yeah that that film very failed. sad it, it was it's an, enjoyable i mean it's like it's it's an, it's it was a super micro indie film yeah. so i i get why it didn't make a lot of money but it's also paul thomas, thomas anderson. anderson so like he can't do wrong in my eyes you know, boogie nights is fantastic i think boogie nights has probably reached my top 10 see Not i'm on the lie. opposite end where i say um magnolia is for me like that's where our split is here. i still need to watch magnolia i was i was checking it out on uh on netflix it's on netflix yeah. right now and i'm like i still need to watch it but that three hours it's good. Three, Three hours, hours and one singing. minute. I, <laughs> you know, there's singing. There's cancer. It's everything you there's want. Cancer. There's there's Tom Cruise trying to force himself to cry. Philip Seymour Hoffman's a nurse. It's great. It's it's pretty. It's good. great. Shit. I mean, the original idea for this this mess was Joaquin wanted to like he was so desensitized and I guess amazed by how people took reality TV by its word and believed that it wasn't scripted at all. And so he wanted to do like a reality, a reality TV show movie kind of thing about his own life, but have it be actually scripted. Yeah. The initial plan was, I think you mentioned, because you, you had a quote from Dr. Drew yeah, <laughs> earlier on. Oh, I, I wrote the entire thing down. I have a page here. If you yeah, because we, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but initially... He wanted to go on celebrity rehab. <laughs> that would have that would have made it so much worse. So I say it would, it's very mean spirited to like do something like that when people are trying to like get clean. Yeah. On one hand, I think that's the realization he had. He was like, "This is too cruel. This is too much. I can't do this. I'm not gonna do this. This is yikes." On the other hand, imagine Dennis Rodman. <laughs> and Joaquin I will say though, Phoenix I would have paid money room. to see that. Specifically. <laughs> just, just Joaquin Phoenix, st- like. Basted out of his head, being like, I do think it's a better idea to have him be the butt of the joke as like him trying to learn how to rap or be a rapper. He has no connection to hip hop culture. Yeah. Like it, it's 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 a little less mean spirited. Like anytime you're making a joke and you're the butt of it, instead of like make, going in and being like, oh, trying to be a drug addict. You know, I'm trying to get clean. I'm a drug addict. But like you're kind of involving all these other people. Like with this, he's kind of just the main focus, and then you have P Diddy, Mos Def, other people, and all the and all in, these in other the people of... were uh, like uh, all these other people were like in on the joke. I don't think Mos Def was, but P was... Diddy was. Oh, he was. I was gonna say I didn't know. Even though he comes off like he is like what is he going might be a better on? actor than I gave him credit for then because <laughs> that scene where he's playing those tracks and it looked like someone ran over his cat. I think I wrote down like he just <laughs> he, he was staring out into the distance, and like you see Phoenix in the back and like bobbing his head, and he's like, yeah, that's good, that's good, and then he's like. 
How long yeah. have you been standing there? <laughs> yeah, how long have you been yeah. standing? Uh, just, uh, yeah. just a few seconds. Just a few seconds. Yeah. But then he had to kind of pull it together when he's like, "Oh, that last song's trash." And he's like, "But the other two, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good." And then it just falls off afterwards, you know? Yeah. Like just, it's but like, everybody even goes you through that. Rhyme anything in those songs, like it's still pretty good. Yeah, even though even though that beat is very garbage, and I'm looking at the distance, like he's trying to keep a straight face. Like yeah. he's looking out, just trying to keep a straight face, but he's just like, <sighs> "See, I just thought he was doing the paycheck thing, where he's just like, okay, he's like, you know." Paycheck sitting in my account right now. I got I got you know forty eight hours of this. Like we just got to ride it out. Just got to make it work. And and yet it's just oh it's so it's he's so like not having it. He is not having this at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it, apparently he was really big into wanting to be a part of this project. Yeah, he's <laughs> huge. Another person, another musical person that's in it is the guitarist from Space Hog. Uh, I have his name here somewhere, but he's called Anton through most of this. Is that uh, his actual name, or is that just like a, a uh, his nickname? his actual name? It's kind of like shorthand. His actual name, Anthony uh, Lagdon, Anthony okay. Lagdon. Okay, uh, and that's one of his uh, like I guess you'd say the people in his posse is like the people that are in his circle, part of his crew. Crew, yeah, and, and, and so he's in hip hop now. It's his crew. It's his crew. It's his, it's his gang, bro. <laughs> and he, it's uh, not yet gang. It's, he's got to build that. He's up. just got a posse. He's yeah. just got. He's got a. He's not an insane clown, but he does have a posse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. After the Letterman thing, he did kind of seem like an insane clown. He did seem like an insane clown. Uh, uh, probably a clown that started in the day the clown cried. <laughs> 2024. We're t- we're covering it then. <laughs> oh, that's finally it when it's coming out. It is on the list. That's okay. when it's coming out. 2024. I think Criterion already has like the rights to it, like oh set God. up. They already set it up. And I gotta give I them more money then. 2024. They're gonna drop it, and <sighs> it's gonna be. 4K release. Ooh, 4K release of the day the clown cried. The, the saddest and funniest Holocaust movie you'll ever see? Question mark? I love that they had to wait for him to pass for that. Well, because he was out. never going to let it out. I then, know, but it, it, he needed to like revel in it. Like, come yeah. on. If you make something that bad, you got to own up to it. He was so embarrassed that he had to just hide away for the rest of his life. Hundred ten- Yeah, it's fucking yikes. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Anton. Anton plays a big role. Because he's the snitch. I he's forgot. Yeah, he's the snitch when he goes off on him about that. He tells him his life is worthless and he's not going to amount to anything. <laughs> oh, that's – yeah, that's fun. I think we could talk about Anton because also it addresses, like, I guess, Joaquin's character in this because, like – he plays the, just the biggest fucking scumbag. The biggest, most entitled Hollywood dickhead on the face of the planet. And I have to say, when it came to, like, them talking about their authenticity of it too, I think he was kind of trying to do a 180 off of his, like, public persona because he did talk about how like he was always seen in hollywood as this very emotional very intense like very complicated guy and i feel like he was trying to do like a 180 of that and just be this guy who's like flying off the handle losing his mind and also snorting cocaine inarticulate too because anytime he was talking about like why he wants to get into hip-hop or like what he felt about the artistic process i don't know if you noticed that too he couldn't really speak on it like he was very like shallow vapid you know like he was, yeah he couldn't really say anything about it and i think that was just like him trying to it's almost like a takeoff of like when like you you mentioned before we recorded K Fed esque. Oh yes, uh, his yes. hip hop endeavors seem to be, and that's about <laughs> the authenticity as well. Where he gets in this hip hop thing with no coming coming at it with no respect for hip hop or um, you know what, what we're saying like give them like props or like kind of like even understanding how to rap, understand flow. Yeah, getting with these people, he just Monday he wakes up, he wants to be a rap artist, and he calls up P Diddy, and he's like, okay, let's get in the studio. Like, exactly, he, rich, rich white boy flavor. Yeah, and that's rich exactly white. what I thought of K Fed. Where I'm like, okay, my my girl's gonna bankroll an album. It's like, but do you have any connection to this music? Do you have any like like Eminem actually built like you know roots? I mean, he has a legacy yeah, in there. Yeah. He was hustling to make it happen. He was but paying he had his connection dues. with these artists, like in in a community and stuff like that. Instead of just going out to L A. to like perform 
for your first time. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's but oh god, that scene, that fucking scene at what was it, the Verve? Uh, the there was <sighs> yeah. this, the the hip hop club. Where I watched he shows that like up. two or three times. I'm gonna say like once before I watched the movie. Like we saw in the movie, and then yeah. I watched it again after the movie, and it was just so painful. It's, that is a painful. That's the painful scene. They weren't seeing it, but you have to give people time, you know, and maybe they were seeing, you know, movie actor up there rapping and but, the, uh, but that was my, the, uh, the... Right, but there's nothing about the fucking, the lyrics is true that they would have just fucking listened. Villain be top, kid be rocking the star, flash cars and bulbs taking over his whole fucking yard. Times is crazy, mothers be packing up their babies, but poppy be Swayze lit up on some Johnny Blaze shit. Really crude up, got the stage shit, I never tried to play this. All I ever needed was a band of people screaming, calling from the cars on the windows when they're steering, and peering in to get a keep out this crazy motherfucker, tearing up the screen and always paparazzi ducking, stepped away from yeah. the light, it wasn't yeah. right. Took the bull by the horns, I ain't gonna give up the fight, tonight's my night, and any motherfucker that wanna play, no, no, nah, change it. That was great. That was great. No, no, I don't need you. No, I mean, but it was great. I mean, but, I know, but, but what I'm saying is, if you listen, that's what I'm saying. Your reaction, it was great. You felt it. Because, like, you, you go in initially just thinking, like, all right, well, this is, I guess, like, the build-up to the initial punchline, where he's like, I'm going to be a rapper. I'm really hyped to be a rapper. Let's go. And then he goes to this club where they're having, like, an open mic <sighs> night or something, where yeah, it's like, yeah. yo, people test your bars. And he gets on the mic. It's like, oh, here comes Joaquin Phoenix. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, they get hyped up for a minute because they're like, oh, we know him. He's it's Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, my God. And then he starts, and you just see that, like, energy moment. It just dwindle out, man. It goes he, quick. He just is like, I'm the best rapper. I spit like I'm a rapping rapper. I sit hot. I... I'm sorry, this beat's fucked. You guys don't have the Blame energy the for yeah. me. You guys are rough. This is a rough room. This, this, and like, I gotta say, so it's not awkward. even. I, I can even forgive him. Like he, he goes into it completely not rapping at all. Like you said, like he doesn't know when to like drop the rhymes. I, I, it would also be funny if he like was doing like the early proto hip hop thing, where like you know he did like a little bit where he's like you know fish, which is my favorite dish, you know like <laughs> kind of like early shit like, like so some Sugar Hill Gang in there, yeah, hip, or like a, hop, a hippie hip hop, yeah, a yeah, hip hop, exactly. a pop, like, a no stop. That, that would have been funny too, but like him just going about it like completely like he has no talent or like clue. He has no idea what he. It yeah. just makes it so cringeworthy. Like the entire time you're watching, like I was like gritting my teeth. It's yikes. And then at, just him leaving and someone's like, hey, I liked it. And he's like, whatever, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. That was like, when was it when he threw up? Because I, I just had that in my head right there. Was that after that? or was There was a, a lot of times when he threw up. He but there was that up. one where he's throwing up and like someone's like holding his like stuff back while he's throwing up in the toilet. That's uh, that was the, that was the Miami that Miami. was the Miami show, which we'll cover later. Okay. But he he I found out uh, apparently Joaquin has an ability, an ability to, to throw up on command. Well, that's why he's a talented actor. And I guess. so yeah, and so he doesn't have to like gag or anything. He just sort oh. of like he just can do it. 
And so they used it as like anytime something <laughs> nervous happened, anytime yeah. there was some, he just vomit on command. I gotta say though, I, if He's I had nicer. that kind of <laughs> skill, I would just use that in other situations all the time. Like if you know you had an exam or like some something awkward came up, you just start throwing up, just vomiting everywhere, every yeah, which this way. This movie is very, form. very disgusting. I don't think we we spoke on that at the beginning enough. Like the amount of like cock we see, like the vomiting, him getting shit on his head. Which you told me they took 35 takes of that? They took 35 takes of the climactic sequence of Anton, his boy, the guitarist for Space Hog, shitting on Joaquin Phoenix's face. I do have to say, though, it's a very, like, Judas moment, though. I do respect that. Like, he calls him out. You know, he's like, you have betrayed me. And then he goes to sleep, and then he shits on his head. It's a very Judas moment. And the scene prior to that was also very, very harsh and cringe. I'm not your fucking... I'll knock your teeth out, and I'll shit on your fucking face. Fuck you. You want to test it? Do it. You shit on my fucking times. What can I do for you? Fuck things up. Not fuck up my fucking life. Now make me look like I'm a fucking joke. I know that sometimes I fucking get out of fucking place. I'm an intense guy. I'm a passionate guy. And that bleeds through into my life. But that's because I do something. You know what I mean? Whether I was acting, whether it was doing music or whatever it is, I give myself to something. What's your bit? What is your bit? <laughs> I mean, it's almost comical. Like, I literally was angry, and now I almost, I, like, I feel sorry for you, dude. You're, you're a bitless dude. I have fucking bits. What the fuck do you have? Haven't you seen, you've seen the fucking stuff I do, and you see how people are affected by it. You know that I affect people in a fucking positive way. So what I'm saying is, what are you going to do with your fucking life? It took too long. That's what I'm saying, dude. You're not fucking assertive. I have to have this conversation. Here. Fuck the peace. Fuck the bullshit, man. I'm trying to do you a favor. I'm talking to you as a friend, and I'm trying to do other people a favor to see this. You know, it's like to understand what I go through. They don't know what it's like, dude. Did you have to go on fucking Letterman? How could I possibly concentrate when I'm definitely dealing with? Excuse me, when I'm fucking dealing with fucking Diddy and his fullness, his idea of what's right, they're, like, they're actually going to see how fucking hard it is. I came in here to talk and now, you know what, dude? Think of a fucking bet worthwhile. But fuck off anyways, dude. Honestly, Ann, I'm through with you. Do whatever the fuck you want. And I hope one day I see a bet that's worthwhile that you were involved in, although I find that highly unlikely. Because I think the, the point we are trying to get to earlier before my dogs decided to yell at the moon <laughs> is that he plays this, like, entitled prick that will not take his own failings as the reason why he's failing. And instead, he's blaming his entourage. Yeah, blaming anybody he's else. Blaming like you said, he was blaming the, the Beats at the... He's the blaming, in, blaming the, the open mic. Yeah, he's blaming the beats. He's blaming like somebody in the crowd at his climactic Miami show. But he's playing that perfectly, though. As we're saying, like yeah. if he's trying to criticize this type of person, like he's playing it to a T. Yeah. And the sequence where he's yelling at Anton is super cringeworthy, but also really like it. It hurts. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, that was a, that was one of the moments where I definitely I paused it for a minute and like got up. I was like, oh, this is. It's very yikes, because it's like he's he's just he's he's belittling this man. Yeah, this poor guy who's like supports him. He's like a part of his group. Like he's here to help him. His best friend, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then he's and just he's just dressing like, him down, treating him like shit. Like get the fuck out of my face. Get the fuck. Or the 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 major line I remember is that like I have bits. Oh yeah. What the fuck's your bit? 
Like, you, <laughs> what the fuck's your bit? I thought you were going to say, bits. he also has a line where he says when this documentary comes out, everyone's going to see you. Like, you, it's going to expose you. They're going to see you as, like, the piece of shit you really are. You know, like, mean, it's, like, in his mind, like, Anton's the fucking piece of shit when, like, he's going around just doing all this fucking heinous shit. Meanwhile, he, yeah, he's, like, snorting cocaine, screaming, screaming the N-word. I didn't even uh, <laughs> pick up how hard it was. You told me that was the it hard It was a N. very hard R. Very hard R N word. I was looking for a little bit of company. Ooh, sick. Oh, sick. I want to smell her bottle. Dude, if you do nothing else for me, let me smell a girl's bottle. You fucking asshole. No, you can't call. You're a fucking idiot, dude. Why are you hovering over me? Oh, Brooke. Brooke, Brooke. Oh, sick. Look at this. Oh, Leela, you dirty. Leela, you dirty fucking little bitch. Lila, you dirty little fucking bitch. Oh, Lila, you fucking have no idea. Yes, I was calling for Tiffany. So two, two girls for six. Okay. Shut your fucking mouth, dude, because you didn't score it. I scored it and I stashed it. You fucking idiot, you've done nothing for me. Oh shit, dude, who was the nigger in charge over here? Who was the nigger in charge? Just don't look at it, dude. Bit, don't know. look at it. Oh, bitch, I got a whole lot. You know what? I already have to shit. So why don't you go fucking lay down and assume the position since you're the one that's gonna be the receptacle of my dude. You're gonna look back in years on this when you're older and your kids see this. You're gonna be so fucking ashamed of yourself because of the opportunities that were provided. The fun, literally just to fucking hang out, the fun that we have. Or, um, where the the one the other scene that made me like just wince in my seat is when he's looking at call girls, oh, yeah, that was... online, and he's just like, "Oh, Lena, you fucking slut! Oh God, I want to fuck you so." Bad. And he's yeah. typing like saying, the like... number in his phone. <laughs> they were trying to be as vile as possible, and they really they went for it. Like I said, when she came and her tits were out, and then like the guy's cock is hanging out, like they're they're admiring how big it is and stuff like that. I was like, man, this movie is crazy. It's like it's pretty flaccid. You're not hard at all yeah they're like and it's this big and then you know they're like oh you gotta have kids man like you gotta pass that along <laughs> it's always a classic uh bit there it's like you gotta pass that big dong to the next generation exactly and it's 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 so seedy they try to do the same thing in miami but they put it in fast forward and then uh joaquin yells at anton because anton's trying to pull his cock out and he's like don't pull don't pull oh. your <laughs> cock out to these women don't do it they're lovely women they're lovely girls <laughs> yeah like what a, what, a, what a 180 there don't do it. They're good. They're beautiful women. God. I think this is a good time, as any, when <laughs> we're talking about the amount of cock and balls in this, to talk about, I guess, the other legacy of this movie, unfortunately. Oh. So, so Casey Affleck. <laughs> yeah. Director, brother-in-law. Extraordinaire. 2010, the producer, Amanda White, and cinematographer, Magdalena Gorka, both filed... I think separate lawsuits against Casey Affleck for sexual harassment, for uh, breach of oral contracts, a lot of really scummy shit. Basically, Casey Affleck went to went up to at least with Amanda White. He went up personally with uh, yeah, with, with the other person. I believe it was uh, people in his entourage as well. Because part of the controversy yeah. was that he also was. Uh, kind of permitting and like kind of fostering this like very toxic like like br- 
douche bro. Yeah, like atmosphere on set. Cocaine atmosphere. Like when you see scenes of like Joaquin Phoenix having three bags of cocaine on a on a thing right before they are about to just go yeah, like and that, buy so hookers, and then you realize, oh, there's women on this on the set. Yeah, who and it's not just like nothing. they're on on the you know, I was gonna say on set, but on, you know when they're filming, it's not just right there. Like this is also going on when they're not filming. So like this is twenty four seven. This is a twenty four seven fuck yeah. show, and you have like girls getting accosted by Anton. Gorka <laughs> yeah. has mentioned specifically Anton was a big proponent of the sexual harassment issues outside of Casey Affleck. And when both of them brought up that this breaches their contract or that, hey, I'm not comfortable with this, Casey Affleck basically uh, kicked them off set and refused to pay them. Top douchebag. <laughs> Top douchebag on set right there, man. Top tier dickbag. Now, I will say, though, this came out in 2010. The The controversy then came back around in 2016, I believe, the first time. When he was getting nominated for Manchester by the yeah, Sea. Yeah, then that was, was that when the first Me Too movement came around? That was sort of, that was the, that first, was like that the, was first the super first wave. Yeah. That was right, that was Weinstein and uh, what's his face from that 70s show, Hyde from oh, 70s yeah, show. Yeah, Mr. Scientologist there. Yeah, Mr. Scientology, who's also a, a rapey fuck. Um, Plenty of other men, men in, in like, and news Kevin, media. Ke- Kevin Spacey, Kevin Brian Spacey. Williams. There we go, Brian Williams. Or, or what, what, no, what's his name? Uh, the bald guy that, uh, uh, Tom Cruise harassed in that interview. I don't because Brian Williams got fucked over for something completely different. He got fucked over because he lied about being in Iraq. But oh, that, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, no, he was like on that. Happened, he was like I was I was in Iraq. But uh, where was he? Yeah. He was in like a hotel room or something. He was in a hotel room. Come on, and I wouldn't was, want to go to Iraq either. Like I think and that's he, and he well no if no, anything he, that should have been a slap on the wrist. And he no no he was he was like he was pretending like he was on the front lines of action. Oh and well they, then that just means he's also a talented actor as well. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to defend the guy here. Trying to defend Brian Wilson. Yeah, that's that's gonna be my stance for this episode <laughs> um but yeah there were like there's so many people coming out in that initial and and casey affleck was like one of the big ones because there were countless stories of him just being like i coined it uh rivers cuomo incel-esque <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say boston-esque it's very like he well, was bringing the boston energy he's he had hardcore boston energy but it's <laughs> it's definitely like the, the the level of there's this this sort of type of white guy who's like i i listen to nothing but like midwest emo but i secretly just hate women yeah but and, you can't say it out loud so you just have to like internalize that you, you internalize outside it. you you champion women like even casey affleck did where he was a supporter of hillary and spoke about how horrible trump is and saying all this wonderful stuff like oh i'm oh man you know i'm really great oh man we were talking about someone else before uh filming as well that also so it was like that the same way oh fuck uh another uh, actor not oh. not not johnny depp who the fuck else who was it oh this is driving me nuts ah fuck there's plenty of them this is a dime a dozen there's a lot thing. of them there's a lot of them they try to like save face in the public eye and then in private they're you know it's it they're they're sleaze bags and it's very much like when you like watching this movie you're facilitating an environment where it's a boys is definitely a boys will be boys boys house movie shoot there's like 30 38 year old to almost 40 year old men acting like 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 frat kids yeah like children like horrible children 
Spoiled petulant Yeah, pulling their dicks out, calling each other, like, queers, and, like, smacking (laughs) each other with towels. I will say, though, don't we all do that? (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm the defender. No, no. No. I've hung out with plenty of people, and then, you know, they still do shit like that, nut shots and things, and I'm like, wow, are are we still doing this? We're We're still doing this. We're in our late 20s, mid-30s. We're about to do this? Come on now. Come on, guys. I'm going to say, on record, I don't defend any of this stuff. He's a piece of shit, so. Yeah, Casey Affleck, yeah. I joke about it again. And I think I think the big piece of shit thing is just like not even like an initial hey I'm really sorry about the what what went down on set just the initial shit of oh you didn't like that you're not gonna go out with me you don't like me yeah. fine I'm gonna fire you and not pay you well yeah that's the first <laughs> thing they did which was like where they shut it you know he's super defensive he shuts it down he litigates it you know he's like my lawyers are gonna be on top of you and I think you said that he yeah. He did something where, where he didn't, like, pay for her, but the lawyer... They didn't pay for the retainers, the retainers and any yeah. of that shit. Like, he, he, like, basically... So he did the first step that they did, which is they, you know, they lawyer up, they try to, like, shut this down. They blackball the shit out of it. And then them. once the Me Too movement comes around and it kind of comes more into the court of public opinion than an actual, like, court, that's when he starts to spend more time groveling and apologizing and talking about how he's going to, you know, I'm be more reflective about the way... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually have a quote here from the Associated Press, if you want. Uh, he did an interview in 2018. Uh, he characterized his behavior at the time of the lawsuit as defensive. <laughs> okay. Your Honor, I, I just I just had to be a piece of shit. I just had to ruin that bitch's life, okay? I just, you know, yeah, she wasn't even a good camera woman anyway. Why, why are we even yeah. bothering? <laughs> and then he said he since he's worked to understand his own capability... He acknowledges the set of I'm Still Here was an unprofessional environment. Here's the full quote. I contributed to that unprofessional environment, and I tolerated that kind of behavior from other people, and I wish that I hadn't, and I regret a lot of that. Yes. I behaved in a way and allowed others to behave in a way that was really unprofessional, and I'm sorry. Unprofessional means rapey as fuck! (laughs) Yeah, and he's probably as shit. I'm pretty sure he's just more upset that he got caught. Like I said, like I'm yeah. sure if anything, that kind of person like him is just gonna learn to do that shit on the DL more and more. 110. percent Like you, you see scenes of this movie where they're just snorting cocaine. There's a there's a legit shot of Joaquin about to get a blowjob from this call girl. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think I just blocked that part out. To be honest, like people like uh, this. This shoot was not professional in the slightest. And I gotta say that I mean they were going for that because they wanted to do something completely different than like everything they've done before. I'm pretty positive this was also like a non-union thing too. I'm sure this I'm had, sure. To, it had like, to be. The only way they get away with this shit is that they weren't using union sh- like cameramen. They weren't using union. Yeah, I couldn't find like, information on that, but I'm pretty sure you're right. I mean, like I said, uh, Affleck did bankroll his film. He directed it. He, I guess I'd say like he kind of not to say it was written, but you know they kind of like. We're in charge of all, M- M- all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, wrote wrote a, a bare a line draft. script. Yeah. yeah, a rough draft. Directed, uh, financed the film. Uh, he was the ringleader of the, the entire inappropriate thing. behaviors. Yeah, he pushed for he pushed for the retirement thing at uh, Two Lovers, which uh, also fun. If we're on the uh, controversy train here, uh, James Gray not a fan of what happened at his premiere. Uh, the opening of oh. this movie, where well, the whole catalyst is. The Joaquin Phoenix announces that he's going to retire from acting to pursue hip hop. He announces it live on, I think, Entertainment Tonight. 
I believe you're right, yeah. And it was during the premiere of Two Lovers. Yeah, way to uh, eclipse the film that, you know, you're here to promote. You're here to promote by saying, oh, yeah, by the way, just as a heads up, uh, I'm quitting acting. I'm I will done say, with though, acting. they did do uh, one more film together. So at least they did The Immigrant in 2013, which is a really nice, subdued film. Like, yeah. Uh, but so the relationship wasn't completely sour. But I'm sure he got real fucking he pissed He was at him. really pissed off because, like, this, this stunt made this movie a bomb. Two lovers coming soon, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it it ruined this movie's press because no one's talking about two lovers. No, they're just talking about Joaquin. Phoenix they're talking about Joaquin Phoenix retiring, retiring from acting to do like. Did he say right then that he was going to be doing hip hop? Because I, I forgot what his exact I, words were. I think he was saying that he was going to pursue like music and other things like that. Yeah, because I know people when that happened. I do remember that kind of in real time. I, I was kind of you know you know someone who was watching this shit. He did a lot of the music for Walk the Line, so people are like, okay, like maybe he's gonna do like rock and roll or country, something like that. You know, he he actually can sing, like he's really good at singing. Like he was nominated for Best Actor for Walk the Line. Like, and he, then all of a sudden he's going to interviewers, being like, I'm working with P Diddy. Yeah, no, it's a 180. Everyone goes, okay, you're getting into music. Like this is what we expect of you. Instead, he you know he zigs when they expect him to zag. You know what? Like a like a true champion, like a true MVP. OG. Uh, like an like a real OG, <laughs> like a real OG. Pull it from my OGs. Oh boy, God, there's what. Do we cover? I was like, gonna say. I feel like we just go in circles right now, just on like this controversy stuff. Like, like there's so much is, because there's just it's this movie's like kind of a mess. It, like, it really is just well, the movie. I guess the entire movie itself is taking place across these eighteen months from the first well, from him announcing that on the carpet, uh, the first Letterman interview he has. Where the he, Letterman interview we should probably talk, thank you very talk much about. Been on depth. the uh, program again. You know, it's been three years since the last time you were on the show, and I will just say right off the top here, you look different than I remember. <laughs> You've got uh, a, a nice uh, beard going, and uh, oh yeah, thank yeah. you. How is that the beard? In my way. Well, is it comfortable? Is it itchy? Is it? Uh, are you pleased with it? I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about, about it. I'm sorry, I'm making you feel weird about it. Is there something wrong? I can't be the first one to make you feel weird about it. Mm, no, I guess not. See, that's what I'm talking about. Is it? You do a lot of this. That's just a nervous tick, I think. Oh, just a nervous tick. Uh, you know, I saw this... Uh, I saw this movie the other night. Tremendous. What a tremendous film. You and uh, who else is in it? Uh, what's her name? Beautiful, lovely... Mm. Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. Vanessa Shaw. Very nice movie, and uh, you don't see movies like this much anymore, and I was so gratified to see it, and you were terrific in the film. I really enjoyed your work. Thank you. Yeah. Are you... Uh, what can you tell us about your days with the Unabomber? Because that's that's sort of the the thing that nobody that that's the one thing everybody knows about this period of this yeah, movie. It definitely went out a lot in the news after it happened. Like if you haven't watched this movie, if you haven't even heard of this movie, if you haven't even if you didn't if you don't know anything about this film. 
this is what you know about this movie is this David Letterman interview where Joaquin in full character shows up on David Letterman's show and it is the most awkward, embarrassing, like psychological. Yeah, he's very like shut down. Like he's kind of just responding to things. Like he's very like short and brief with his, his response. Very like Letterman's like, hey, uh, Joaquin. So uh, it's been it's been a minute. Uh, there's a guy in a movie that you were in. Uh, yeah, he's like, what's his name? And he's like, what's his name? Uh, from... just, I, just I gotta say, he's kind of like doing like a weird Dylan-esque thing with him. He's like, I don't, I don't really. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, he's, he's really. I'm, I'm pulling out my Stephen Wright right now <laughs> to do uh, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> on Letterman. Yeah. On Letterman. Hey, uh, how's your how's your brother, the Unabomber? That, that wasn't a funny joke. Please don't. That's oh, all right. Whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He was... It's just a mess. There's like there's sequences where I'll I'll splice in the interview here. Oh, some of the actual. Oh, absolutely. That it's gotta be. I do want to talk about it. I have the I wrote the entire quote from Doctor Drew, where he was just kind of talking out his ass after the interview. After the interview, he's got to you know do his thing where he's like I'm a doctor. Yeah, which is which is a reaper, which is a giant like circle of life because this was initially supposed to be him invading celebrity rehab, and now Doctor Drew has something. Yeah, no, to he kind of fo- comes into the fold. Yeah, I guess he kind of saw part of the clip and he kind of just wanted to like, get his name out there he says uh dr here i understand that uh there's speculation that he may have been fulfilling the role of a character for a mockumentary uh i maintain an open mind and hope that is true but i suspect something much more serious is going on Uh, it is impossible he says impossible to fake a flat affect notice how his facial expressions are not still but rather you can see what is called flat or what we call flat i'm sorry uh suggesting a physiological alteration of his facial expressions due to mental state he was dysthartic a specifically thick tongue he says i don't know exactly what i guess he's talking about the way he's talking to letterman where where like his his tongue might be too big for his mouth yeah and he's having a hard time speaking he yet. says which is also is again very impossible to uh, says if not impossible to mimic uh lastly there was a severe motor slowing which is yet another feature of intoxication or psychiatric conditions such as depression later in the thing he just mentioned or he could just be a spectacular actor which we now know is true uh, apparently uh joaquin phoenix is so good at acting that he can fool dr drew <laughs> oh yeah yeah for real i but guess he, we, we could talk a little bit about like the idea of the method acting i guess approach here because this is very method yeah this and i mean like, th- this kind of was the era too i feel like when i think of this era i think of like you know 2008 like the, the dark knight you know, like the Heath Ledger, like everyone wanted to kind of go him. method around that time. Yeah, but I think that's he, sort of... Heath just passed, I think, shortly around that time, too, I think, in 2008, yeah, be, 2009. Because he was... He went deep. Yeah. He went deep into that character. And I feel like... Because I do remember from this time, this is like after right after high school for me, like, I do remember people kind of going like, oh, Phoenix might be on that same path. You know, he's kind of like going off the deep end, like he's kind of... What's going on? Yeah, What's happening he takes with him? Also, serious as an actor, maybe he's like losing his mind for real. So he's really playing into that right now. One hundred and ten percent, and it's it's really just really chilling. I guess around this point is sort of when people started to realize like maybe method acting isn't really all that's cracked up to be. <laughs> I mean now now today uh, there's at least there's like a video in my queue that I still need to watch about the problems with the method acting uh, before video we, essay. Yeah, before we started filming, I said I think the the death of modern method acting was uh, what's his name? Jared Leto with the fucking Joker film. I his, th- his method acting in that where he was just like, you know, treating everyone like shit on set. Well, I would I'd make the argument the start of the decline is the Dark Knight when Heath oh, Ledger basically I, I, I develops there. a fucking pill habit and then overdoses and dies because he wanted he, to get into a dark place. He really did burn bright there because it, it was such a spectacular performance, but he did 
like you said, kind of like OD on that performance. Yeah, but itself. you could you could also like act crazy without like. No, there's plenty of people that do that. Like developing just... a debilitating coke addict. Oh yeah, and there's plenty of people like run it back. What I was saying is when we we're talking about the Jared Leto thing, like he yeah. kind of en- enabled that. But also, I was reading recently that besides him, he kind of had other people get in a character by doing shit. Like the one guy who's the fire guy, he made him apparently like burn himself with cigarettes and like eat a cigarette. What and then the fuck? he made one of the other actors like punch another actor to like get in the character. Oh, so that's what I'm talking crazy. about, like the toxic nature of like character acting. That's that's Which you don't why. need. Like someone you could just say action and someone can act just as well. They don't need to punch somebody to get into your sick, twisted mind. You don't have to abuse people to get in character. Like I think the big criticism now, we look back at fucking Stanley Kubrick. Everybody's oh. like, oh, he's an auteur, he's a genius, but what he put Shelley Duvall in is... We're just finally coming to that consensus now, I think, that like he's still a genius, but he kind of essentially committed like some minor torture d- on d- set. D- manipulation, abuse, like all, all the... And all drove her into like, a horrible mental state. Like, a Crippled her for years. <sighs> because then all of these fucking critics out are just like, well, he had to... He had to tame Shelley Duvall because well, he had to get she's her incompetent. Right. At, he is, if she's yeah. screaming, it's just not good enough. But she's got to really mean it. She's got to mean the scream because if uh, you can't pull a you can't pull a performance out of Shelley Duvall because she's just a bad actress, and, and it's like no. I know this is unrelated, but Shelley Duvall before that mostly did uh, films with uh, what's his name Nashville, other stuff. Um, what the fucking director? What the hell? Uh, Nashville? Nashville, Three Women. Oh. uh... Oh God! Uh, not Sydney Lament. I'm not thinking. No, you know what's funny? I always get Sydney Lament and Robert Altman confused. Altman. So she did like these Altman-esque films, which were the sets are very, you know, chill, kind of more rambling-esque. Like he would smoke pot. Like the cameras kind of were free flowing. They uh, they had a lot of camera cord, and they would kind of like just move around, like with the actors and actresses. Yeah. You know, kind of like have like a more free environment. And so I think like she's doing that in the '70s, and then comes in 1980 to Kubrick, who essentially has this very fixed vision and essentially is like very very emotionally manipulative compared to Altman who kind of like you know is a much more relaxed guy apparently smoked pot constantly on set as well <laughs> so seems like a cool guy rest in peace rest rest in peace Robert Altman uh, it, it's very much a tale of two worlds and I think now finally people are starting to realize like hey maybe method acting is people are finally taking uh, Lawrence Olivier's take on it when uh, he was on set with Marath- uh, at the Marathon Man uh, with uh, Dustin Hoffman where Dustin Hoffman's like taking like a three mile jog just to look disheveled oh yeah and Lawrence Lawrence Olivier who is his co-star who's playing like a, a, a like a fucking Nazi doctor from Auschwitz. <laughs> he comes over and he's like, "Son, have you tried acting? <laughs> have you, why are you why are you killing yourself for a see, role?" When I was like eighteen, I would have been on the side of Hoffman there, but now I I do see what he's saying there. Like, exactly, it's it's that sort of shit. And I think this whole movie is just one giant method acting piece for eighteen months. For eighteen months, and it almost single hand it almost ruined his career. But at least he made a rebound to just be like, it's a joke, it's a joke, I swear it's a joke. And I do want to say, though, his next film was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, and he kind of did kind of go method as well a little bit. I don't know if you remember that movie where he's, like, really gaunt, and he's, like, really he's yeah. really skinny, and, like, his performance is just like that. Like, you know, he's drinking this, like, shit that's essentially just, like, poison. It's, like, you know, like, bomb fuel and other stuff like that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's just killing himself. If that one's a bomb, I would definitely love to talk about that as well. I that think is... it made money. I think it made, a, like, the the after uh, oh. the after awards nominations really boosted its role. But um, there's Darn. just a lot of shit in here that just, it, it's, it's weird because it's like he's very much in the method and then everybody else has to either act like they're surprised or they are very surprised. 
like Ben Stiller coming yeah. over to push. It, that kind of uh, creates a split too, because you said like the people that are acting surprised, it kind you can kind of see that because it's like, you know, it's shitty. You can be like, oh, they're like pretend like what's going on here? What's happening? But then man? you get Ben Stiller, like you're saying, who's genuinely shocked, who's showing up to promote a uh, Greenberg, <laughs> which is a movie I have to cover because that <laughs> film, that film is documentary i know it's it's awkward right it's, it's, why would i want to do this um just because you know I, I i don't know i mean i just feel like it's you know i love the relationship in there and i just thought the you know Powers? yeah well, yeah 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 what what is the character um ivan you ivan ivan so you didn't you haven't read it yet or well we larry uh, was telling me about it but i didn't you say i was greenberg who's greenberg I am Greenberg. <laughs> You're so great. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> You're Greenberg. Okay, my bad. I oh, I see. Oh shit. And I was complaining about that character. I was like, okay, no. So I'm Ivan. I mean, not. I'm not gonna. Get, I don't want it to be. I don't want yeah. this to be weird at, at all or anything, because you know. Then I've wasn't been like with trying you to... in fucking meetings before, and no. this is not how you talk. And you're you're acting all. Yeah, these guys have seen the worst of me. They've seen the best. They've seen the honest. I'm not me. trying to. I'm not trying to act. Any, I'm yeah, honestly you're not doing, trying to you're act anyone. Doing ben Stiller. No, you're I'm doing, not, yes, dude. This is who I am. I'm not fucking doing. Yeah, I, I'm, what do I have to do? Put like a, a shirt on my head and act weird? I'm not. Like, I'm trying to act weird, dude. All the time. No, I'm just you, saying you're doing a movie where it's like a fucking cat would be in a full body cast. That kind of humor. Who gives a shit? Like that's how is that fucking funny? That a fucking cat breaks all of its goddamn bones as we put in a cast. That's funny. <laughs> Do you have a tissue? It is pretty funny. Um, uh, honestly, sorry, just uh, it's a dog. <laughs> it's a dog. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge no, no, the dog. Of, uh, He's talking about the something about Mary. Uh, I'm, I'm just fried today. I'm sorry. I got really high last we're, night. We're 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 slightly high this morning. We're both I'm very fried. fried. My dogs are losing their mind upstairs. It's fine, but. Shockingly enough, that scene alone actually was shot while they were already shooting Greenberg. Really? So he oh he went there to have that. So he went there as like while they're like months in production already, they're already on the shoot. But it was sort of like a, he was in on the joke, but he didn't realize how in on the joke he really was. Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach. Okay, there we, there we go. Our man. We did our best. We're we're doing great <laughs> as cinephiles. We don't I know, know people's names. We don't know films. We're just going that the guy did. from the thing, and you know, you know the guy from this movie I never watched. Oh shit. He, he sort of just, like, loses his shit, and they actually shot that because he was going to go at the Academy Awards as uh, Joaquin Phoenix later on Oh yes, as a yes, continuity that, thing. Yes, that scene when he shows up in the beard. But then they also have a later scene when, like, other people at one of the concerts are wearing, like, the fake beards, which I thought was pretty funny. Because he too. became a meme. He became, like, he became the proto, sort of like a proto meme trend, sort of. He was It was him, and then afterwards, I think this was a little bit after the Charlie say, Sheen shit. I was there in real time like watching him blow but i don't really remember the meme part that much well, well everybody was ridiculing him but then there were people that were like showing up as costumes of him yeah people, yeah like, like sort of like making it a trend kind of which thing. i guess also feeds into their whole point about this as well right like, yeah where it's like people will just glum on you even if you're not even that talented because you're a famous person yeah and which, like your spectacle your fuck up is what's Attracting everybody. Your fuck up is exactly. That's why he was able to pack out that Miami club at the end, even though like nobody really wanted to listen to him rap. And then he got into <laughs> a fight with a guy that he paid already as a paid actor. Yeah, I was gonna say I believe that was one of his friends. 
yeah. I, I read somewhere. So it was a classic staged fight. That is that scene, the Venice Club scene, oh. and that Las Vegas performance are all like top tier cringe. I think the the L.A. performance is pretty wild because he goes out there and he thinks that he's killing it, even though like the the stage is about the size of like a, a shelving unit. Yeah, it's, it's like right off the really floor, like small. It's... It's super small. I thought that was really <laughs> odd too. I felt like they just like slapped that together or something like that. Oh yeah, and it was like supposed to be a free show or something, so he wasn't even getting paid for it. And then <laughs> they were they were he was performing, and you could see like people go from excitement and having the thing, and yeah, then they, the register on their face just slowly drop from like the smiley face to the frowny face on the chart, just to realize like, oh, this guy's untalented at this. Oh, he's really bad. Oh, he's really bad. What was the whole cave in? I feel like that was like 2006 or something like that. Like that I, was that like, had to be like 2006, 2007. I think. I'm like, it's 2010. It was a few years since we had something like that. Where like it was just such a spectacular. Like, oh, this guy thinks he has talent. And he has no talent. Like everyone just registering that in real yeah, time. Yeah, around like 2005. I think like 2005 to early 2007. Because yeah, they, they kind of cover a little bit of that in the movie too when they are showing like all these different like clips of like news media talking about him and they're like, oh, he's coming back around to Vegas like for his musical performance. You know, oh, like they... Oh boy. Yeah, they're like, well, this is going to be fun. And then the reviews afterwards oh. where they tear him apart, they mention him falling off the stage. <laughs> Probably the best part of the entire performance. <laughs> <laughs> him just falling over. And then it leads to, well, I mean, like, you don't get a lot of performances after that. He tries to convince Diddy, who he tortures through this whole movie. I do have to say, my favorite Diddy moment as well was, like, that scene when he flies out to Florida to meet him, and then they essentially pass each other in cars. You know, (laughs) he's so fucking sad in that moment. Like, like, that's a great comedy bit. Like, Like, is that Diddy? Oh, no. Yeah, it's like, like, back back the fuck up, man, back the fuck up. And then, like, the car passes, and they pass, and then he's, like, trying to call him on the cell phone. He's like, man, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. Yeah, He's like a, a hotel. We got late at the hotel. We flew out to Florida to meet you. <laughs> Even though, like, what happened is that they got to the hotel and then they just started partying. And be like, oh, give a fuck. <laughs> that's why. That's why I love too. Is like he he acts so like braggadocious about this. He's like, I'm here to party. And then once he gets there, he's so like sad and like defeated instantly. Like I was supposed to do it. The movie is so cringy, but like at the same time, that humor underneath it is still pretty damn oh, funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and you're right. I came in this movie really hating it, and you were saying how it was actually pretty good. It's it's shockingly really like if you go into it understanding that it's a mockumentary, which a lot of people didn't. Uh, they took it as a documentary, as like well, serious, legit. That's also part of the thing. I, I mean, I have a little part I wrote down about this whole uh, post-documentary culture, which is kind of what they're trying to spoof as well. But like, even when it came to them filming, they were being a little obtuse with people about what it was. So they. They kind of were telling people it was a documentary, but, you know, it was kind of an open secret that it was a mockumentary as, like, the word got out, like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but then even that, like, they said that it was neither. It was a little bit more of a performance art piece, in a way, like we are talking about. Exactly. Like, so, really, at the end of the day, I don't think they knew what the fuck it was. <laughs> they they were just – it was it was a dick-around side project yeah. that they somehow made into a film. Yeah, like you said, their brother-in-laws, they're fucking hanging out. They're trying to do some fucked-up shit. They're doing a lot of fucked-up shit. <laughs> Too much fucked-up shit, honestly. And they figured they should... they'd film it, make a movie out of it. Uh, Casey Affleck bankrolled himself, uh, which also came back to bite him in the ass because when it came time to sell the film – uh, he was up a paddle essentially fucked because if they couldn't sell it, he was gonna go bankrupt. He he straight up said that he was gonna have to file for bankruptcy, which is which is rough because <laughs> which he deserved probably <laughs> because when the, yeah well number one which he rightfully deserves but number two when they showed it to buyers, <laughs> no one knew how to promote it. 
Or what it was, yeah. Or what it was. They were like, what the fuck is this mess? Because that's the one thing about, like, film companies. They like to know, like, and I know we talked about that today, about, like, films kind of fitting too easily in, like, different categories and stuff, but it works out well when they're trying to, like, market and finance and, like, distribute a film. Exactly. And like, when, when you have a film that is, like, debauchery, almost Monocane-esque, <laughs> even, of debauchery, and, and just there's assaults, there's sex, yeah, there's, there's genitals coke, everywhere, there's genitals, defecation, vomiting, there's oh, all this stuff. trash on top of trash. And th- these people are, like, looking at this, and they're like, how are we supposed to, how are we supposed to put this out in theaters? How are we supposed to do it? <laughs> Casey, how are we supposed to do it, Casey? I do have one more thing about that as well. I wrote down, um, it, and they kind of hint at this. It's not explicitly said, but essentially, Joaquin Phoenix had a relationship with Magnolia, Magnolia Pictures, which is who distributed this movie. Oh, okay. Um, and they kind of hint that the one of the only reasons they really went with it was because of the relationship. Apparently, the head of Magnolia had this little comment here. It says, uh, no matter what I thought coming into this, I came out feeling like it was a pretty amazing piece of work. Draw-dropping but dimensional is what he said to someone who asked him about it later which I think is just he, he had to say something nice about it but I think it was like they were trying to keep that working relationship alive um, they had to have several meetings with Casey Affleck before they even decided to purchase it so I think it kind of was a back and forth with Casey probably begging to please purchase this movie like I please buy my movie I'm yeah. gonna be sued in like two months could you please buy my movie please yeah so it uh it's got a very interesting story on that end. That's it? that's wild that they basically just did it because he was his friend. They were like, oh, yeah, well, they had, I mean, they did the uh, they produced and distributed two or two lovers, I believe. Oh, fair. So that's why they they just on the, his previous film and they're like, okay, I guess if we want to keep a strong working relationship, I believe they also did uh, James Gray's next one, The Immigrant, as well. So they were probably just trying to be. They're trying to make it work. Yeah, I mean, it, poor bastards. It was real. Oh, uh, they are. <laughs> Certainly poor bastards. Because I also couldn't find how much they paid for the movie. I checked multiple sites, multiple interviews. Nowhere does it say. I don't think they wanted to let that cat out of the I hope. Hopefully it was probably just like, we're going to pay you the amount that you don't go bankrupt in. We're not going to pay any yeah. more, any less. They also <laughs> didn't say what Casey Affleck spent on the film. Like, there's a lot of gray area involved. I want to I want to say it's it's probably like minimum three to five million. Minimum. If yeah, not, I mean, they were filming on and off for eighteen months. Yeah, so it's got to be like it's got to be up there, but like not not like too up where it's like a crippling defeat, no. but up enough where like if you don't make like if you don't make ten million, you're you're in like deep shit. Like enough <laughs> enough where that's that's that a where problem. You talk about how much money it made at the well. Box it was office. released in September tenth of twenty ten to a wide audience. Uh, it reached forty third place. 43rd on its opening week? On its opening week. 43rd place. Uh, It grossed $96,658 in the box office. Wow. That's nothing. That is that is a that's like if for for an indie movie maybe something I don't know what this budget is it's probably too much <laughs> like I said like not even close to it I had a different number I found that said six hundred and twenty six that's the final that's the final the okay. final after all, all the all, all of the you know once it was going through theaters once it's out of theaters yeah the max I, I was gross. one of the people who I think watched it on like you know Redbox or something like oh, that. oh one of those yeah definitely that wasn't gonna pay uh, to see it this. grossed about six hundred and twenty six thousand overall with I think four hundred and one thousand of it coming domestically wow wow yeah 
So internationally, $298,000, not too much. They weren't interested in whatever he was selling here. They were, well, it's, you know, it's the, this idea of like, what the fuck is this? Like what the, like every, and I could see like places like Europe being maybe interested in like the train wreck of like something like that. I guess, but I don't even think like they were really that interested. It comes off like they really didn't even want anything to do with Casey Affleck or like Joaquin Phoenix. I think a lot of people genuinely thought this was a documentary. Like, I think they, they genuinely thought this was real. I think you're right, because, like, all the rumors about the mockumentary, like, they, they'd kind of come and go, but, like, I think at the end of the day, people still thought this was all real. Like, this was just someone kind of losing their mind a little bit, because that happens in Hollywood all the time. Yeah. Like, this is nothing new. This is a... Got, I'm I'm sitting on the Rotten Tomatoes page right now. Oh, uh, it's got 53%. 50? That's more than I, I would have thought, let me be honest. We got a consensus here. And as unkempt and inscrutable as Joaquin Phoenix himself... I'm Still Here raises some interesting questions about its subject, as well as the nature of celebrity, but it fails to answer many of these convincingly. That's just the consensus blurb. Robbie Collins from News of the World, he gave it a 1 out of 5 rating, (laughs) saying Casey Affleck is trying to claim that I'm Still Here is gonzo filmmaking. And I'm right with him on this point. It does look like it was made by a Muppet. (laughs) Okay. That's the good part of, like, a good film review. And, like, you know, they they get a good joke in there. They got a good ha-ha. They do a stabby-stabby. Uh, that that's fun. There's like, oh, you think you're Hunter S. Thompson? No, you're actually just the Muppet who's into the chicken. That's that you doofus. Was there any favorable reviews? Uh, we got a few. Uh, Matt Singer from uh, FIT. He writes, the movie has to be seen to be simultaneously believed and disbelieved. He gave it a B plus. Okay. See, that's someone who kind of gets the joke. I think. He also looks like Rivers Cuomo, so I don't trust <laughs> so him. So he saw himself in it. He knows, <laughs> he, this guy, he's right. It's like this this guy, Casey Affleck, he he's got it. something going on. And Nick uh, Schranger from Lessons of Darkness, he also gave it a B. He said, a clever stunt that shrewdly wrestles with the issues of fame, truth, and self. And I don't know if those are like... Reviews like post, you know, years past, like the actual thing is. I feel like the, what the the negative ones at the time were the ones that maybe didn't know if it was a documentary or a mockumentary. So maybe they were coming at it not really understanding what it was. Oh, this, I got this brutal one right here. Holy lay, shit! Lay it on me. Man. I got Richard Richard Proops. This is this is from 2020. Okay. This, so this is, is this is way in the future. And he still uh, lost the fucking from the part. independent critic. He gave it a 0. 0.5 <laughs> out of out four. Out of ten. A four. 0. 0.5. Said, rumor has it that Casey Affleck went broke making this film. Good. At least he wouldn't be self-financing any more films. <laughs> okay, that, that's a pretty good review. That's a pretty fire one. That's pretty tight. People are very much either in the sense that this movie is either too real for its own good or it's too much of a, of a shit show to even bother with it, I guess. Or, or some people are like, oh, this is genius. This is art. Yeah, like I see where they're going with I really this. understand like what they're going with like uh, performance art or mockumentary. Or, we still don't even know as we're talking about it here. I still don't even know. It's been 11 years since this movie came out, and we still are trying to like kind of tag it down. I watched this movie 17 hours ago, and I still don't know what this is going on. No, I still asleep watching it last night. so I, It was kind of rattling around in my brain when I woke up. I definitely feel like that this movie is best summed up by its final act where he's in Miami for his last show. He goes up. He's kind of 
drunkenly slurring through all of his lines and shit. And there are people in the crowd with his like with yeah, his mask. Beard, that's what I'm saying, like little beard mask. With the thing. cameras and everything being all hyped. And then he gets into a fight with a guy who's supposed to be like somebody he paid for <laughs> and he's just shouting like I me I have a million dollars in the bank what the fuck are you at what's your fucking deal what's your problem fuck you dude and I think like a few minutes before that there's this video clip I don't remember I'm not sure if this is one of the doctored things Part or not is from uh, Eddie's Hollywood Review was the yes, one Yes, you know what? I, I think that was doctored because I was watching it and I was like, this definitely stands out from the rest of It the- feels super doctored and super not real. Yeah, where he's kind of like, has like this little like tirade against him and like what he's doing. He, like yeah, he goes in on Joaquin Phoenix and he sort of calls out him for what he's trying yeah. to do. But I don't I feel like no one at the time was actually doing that. Like so I had probably was doctored to like fit in with the narrative he was going for. Oh, 100%. It looks fake, but it was a brutal and also, I think the guy was on like a white. Wasn't he like in the, in the clip thing? Wasn't he on like a like a plain he was white he was apparently in my basement. <laughs> apparently, yeah. he was in my basement just recording this. Just like Joaquin Phoenix, he thinks he's a genius, but really he's just a clown and a moron. Fuck him! I can't believe he's doing all this. What a piece of shit! He's ruining all this stuff. He's not an artist. Yeah, and that definitely was probably <laughs> one of the written parts, like we said, like Casey Affleck had like written it, out for. It was definitely a doc. I feel like it's a doctored, a doctored piece, but it's definitely, I guess, sums up the thesis of this yeah, movie. I think they needed something like that to like really like wrap it up. That like you know maybe no one in the actual media was going to do. You know, like, no one's going to go on the entertainment tonight and, like, roast his ass like that. Exactly. They kind of just make, like, a little pun or a joke, and then they move on. They go on further. I think that would be a good way to fade out, is just play that clip and then just fade out the, the podcast from there. I was going to like, him playing that song Complication, and then Diddy just going, that's a no. That's a like, no. That would be that's, a great way that's to stop. end. That's a stop. <laughs> that's a no. That's a stop. I, I've, I've heard enough... <laughs> That was uh, that was a very cringy moment there. Or or him just being like, so are we gonna record? Are we gonna no, record? Nah, or not? No, no, you're not ready for me. You're not ready for me. No, 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 no. Forget. That's that's enough. That's enough. It's time. This episode of Bombed is produced, edited, and released by yours truly, Liam Wolf. That awesome intro track that you hear every single week is done by my good friend Jacob O'Brien. You can follow him at Vaulted Tadpole over on Twitch and YouTube for more music and video game live streams if you're into that. Joe McAndrew has done that awesome podcast art that you see each week. You can follow him at Joe MC Art or Joe MC Shut Up on Instagram. And of course, I'd like to thank 
all of you for sitting down and listening to this, whether it's on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are held hostage. Thank you. And please send a like, share it to your friends, send us a review, even comment underneath if you want to say that we're idiots that don't know what we're talking about or that I'm an idiot that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Any criticism helps produce and build this podcast beyond the mild constraints that we're at right now. So thank you for your honest-to-God support. All right, guest for this week was my good friend Matt LaRue. You can follow him over on Twitter at ProtoJerk. He's in the process of working on his own little movie podcast, so keep a lookout for that, and I'll give a plug once it's eventually out. All right, if I haven't felt pain and torment from the last few options, next week we're going to be feeling a lot of pain and torment. It's Mike Myers in brown face, or at least in brown tone. We got Indian stereotypes, angry Hindus, John Oliver, and one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. We're talking The Love Guru next week. A movie so bad, Mike Myers retired from movies for at least a solid decade after its release. Uh, Next week's going to be a doozy. Catch you then. Sayonara.